Welcome to the GCW Plant Podcast, episode 19. Once again with us is Mr. John J. Wolf, and today we are covering the Art of War, uh, coming from the Grand Sports Arena once again at the Hoffman Estates in Chicago. Once again on commentary as well, we got KG back, and he is teaming up with Dave Prezak for the majority of the show. And before we get into the first match of the night, John, I know you have some uh, pre-show remarks. You want to head off on uh, state those things first before we head on? Yeah. So I am a production guy. So one of the first things I noticed when this show opened up was there was kind of like this pan across the crowd when they started. And it just looked really so good, especially when there's that large GCW crowd. So it's nice to know that when they have that crowd, they definitely know how to you know, make the most use of it on camera so kudos to them because it really looked really good and then i liked how they were actually set up on the other side of gordon's uh the uh, garden sports arena because it was just nice to see what was over there on that other side the double ring to start there was like this big show kind of feel to this because the camera work was looking so good and all these people were there um i kind of hope that portion stays or sticks around when those crowds come through because I think it's become a habit and I hope it's a good habit, but yeah, appreciate the the presentation on that because the, uh, the visuals were, were excellent in this match. Yeah. I like how the, with the this two- pay-per-view, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the, the double ring adds a lot to it. Cause I think it extends instead of just that front row being just one ring long. You see the whole front row and obviously the whole perimeter of both rings. It makes it look like it's a lot more people there and, uh, mm-hmm. it definitely spaces out the crowd as well. So it does look good how they do, uh, the presentation with the double rings and i kind of like how one ring had the gcw logo so i was kind of assuming they're going to stay away from uh during the art of war games during that match they're going to stay away from all the blood and all that stuff on that mat to keep that one nice and neat but the other one was just a plain one where i was kind of figuring by the time they get to the art of war match it's going to be that mat that ring specifically will be having a lot of the action and a lot of the fuckery happening just because they don't care if blood gets all over that one because they don't have their logo all over it no it's smart and i think that's a great point yeah, and I, I liked it. It was a good way to start the show. Uh, nice crowd, and we started off hot. As we start off for the first match of the evening, we have the two-ring ladder scramble fuckfest match. And once again, uh, Joey Janela is defending his DDT Extreme title in this match. Paul Radricks is not being... Uh, defended as the Extreme title, but that got a little confusing to me at first when they said Extreme title. I was like... Wait a minute, is both of them on the line or is it just one? Like, what's going on there? Like, I miss, uh-huh. I misheard him at first, but I, I remember Joey saying, like, hey, I'm putting my uh, extreme title on the line. But I thought at first I heard, like, maybe it was a dual one. I was like, I just heard it wrong because I heard two titles and two rings. Mm-hmm. I, I heard two titles, two rings. I was like, whoa, what? But it is just for the DDT extreme title that Joey Janela is, is the current champion of. And in this match with Joey Janela, we have Cole Radrick. Dante Leon, Drago Kid, Gringo Loco, Speedball Mike Bailey, the Iron Demon Shane Mercer, and everybody's favorite lovable asshole, Tony Deppin. And I thought it was cool how KG made a big deal, because usually when champions come out in matches, it's always a champion that comes out second. They make the challenger wait in the ring, think about mm-hmm. the moment, kind of dissolve, like trying to sit there and capture it all in and then get your nerves under 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 control. But the champion gets to take all their time coming out and taking their time with this entrance, making the 
the challenges wait i love like the mind games how that does like usually that's the way it always happens but i like how kg made a comment and made a point to mentioned that joey janela came out first and he was like what the champions coming out first so i love that little callback by kg um this was a fun match uh i was they had a big shoes to fill after last year's ladder match last year's ladder match was insane um this one had its moments it was it was a good solid one i just think last year's was better because it was a lot more high spots and they did a lot more of um current events kind of happening like the current memes of that time last year with the with the milk box challenge and uh other little things that they did in that match so this one had a lot of big shoes to fill what were your thoughts on this match i got big notes on this one is <laughs> what i'm kind of thinking okay so with so many people in it and it being an 18 and a half minute match i'll i'll shoot through what i can so we can kind of otherwise uh, we will get caught up on a lot of these moves or whatnot and it it could be too much so right off the bat i thought it was cool that they came out with a 12 pack of pbr and the ddt extreme title that were on the line so uh it was really cool to see the referee one of them holding up the title the other one holding up a 12 pack of pbr the show started with that PBR being opened up and there was a large round of beers for all the performers. So we started off the show with a round of beers for the performers. So it, it starts off fairly quickly and everything kind of goes out towards the side of the ring. And this is the point where we really could have used that split screen. I'm yeah, I'm just so split, uh, just so pro it, but there is actually a couple things that I missed. So I could have used that split screen. There is one big ass ladder that Drago had uh, brought into the ring that they had found on the side there that brought out C, C, C chance. I don't know if I've heard GCW use CCC chance before. It was fun. Depping with a flying tope suicida onto a ladder held by a bunch of wrestlers to the outside of the ring was absolutely wonderful. Deppin is known for uh, putting his ass on the line every now and then. It looked really good. Cole had that big ladder. He smacked Dante in the face with it. Then he climbs onto it and he does what looked like a front flip onto everyone below. KG regarded it as a front headbutt. So, I mean, it's all in how you really want to look at it. Everybody got their topes in. Gringo, of course, being the Chicago boy, was well-received by the crowd tonight. Dante also had a great night. I was really happy to see him back. It's been a while. Even the same shirt and everything else, it's like seeing an old friend. Uh, Mercer and Drago, they keep meeting in the ring. Never good for the little guy. We knew that from the previous nights. Mercer presses Drago on a ladder and then slams Drago on the floor with the ladder smashing on top of them. Janela does a Death Valley driver on Mercer to the floor into a single foot stomp with the door on top of Mercer. Janela sets up a ladder. All men enter the ring and set up the other ladder ladders and they fought. Now, it kind of stayed that way for a while and then they all kind of fell and split off. Uh, Cole drops an elbow on a chair. Fans chant fuck that chair because it wasn't staying up when he was trying to prop up, I think, a door on that chair. Yep. Speed Speedball and Dante doing double shooting star presses on Cole and Janela through doors. Gringo has Dante up on his shoulders into a gringo bomb through a table. I think you're kind of getting the you know. Uh Merce has Drago on the big ladder. Drago jumps into a Mexican destroyer on Deppin. And the last one I have here was Mercer stands on the second rope. He grabs Radrick and hits a moonsault and back through through door through two doors onto a table. So that ended up being our winner in the end, Joey Janela. 
He ended up uh, with a big jump on that ladder that they had in the ring there. It was an elbow drop through two doors on double, like the double ring frame area onto speedball Mike Bailey. And it just like he fucking broke him. So that that was a great match. Joey retained. And that was my full, full rundown. Yeah, that was a lot of crazy spots. A um, couple of them Shit. I wanted to bring up because they were insane to me was um, which one was it? Oh, there was a lot of there. Um, so yeah, the first yeah, one, so much. Yeah, the first one that stood about, even though it was later on in the match, uh, you just kind of just said it was the Drago kid when he jumped onto the Mexican destroyer from the ladder. That was crazy because, oh. yeah, they were fighting on top of the ladder and he kind of got tossed off of the ladder. And then as he's on his way down, about to fall to the mat, he lands on Tony Deppin's shoulders and then turns it into a Mexican destroyer right all in one motion, which was pretty crazy mm. seeing from that height. Like, I just think just that height alone, it was how it'd be hard for Deppin to try to time that catch and then flip with Drago Kid because that was that was an insane one. That was the most insane move of the match for me was that match. Um, another one stopped that stood out to me was that Cole with the fuck that chair because like Cole just like looked at that chair, looked at the fans, and just gave it a good old el elbow drop, and then fuck that chair, Ooh. and like that's what started started <laughs> that chant. That was that was hilarious. Like Cole, I like him in these situations, these extreme matches, hence why he's the extreme title holder. But um, seeing him have fun with all the craziness that's going on around him was pretty fun. Seeing um, this one, I don't know. I was kind of one. I would was thinking Joey was going to win just because he just kind of got that belt and he just got back from me. I think he just got back from England with that belt. And I know they're about to go back to England here and I think a couple weeks. Uh -huh. So I was yep. thinking, okay, he's going to retain it and bring it back. But then I was thinking, seeing these names, a lot of them are GCW regulars. And hey, maybe we get a surprise title switch tonight with a GCW regular that might be going with them to England. And then now they could have a new champion representing GCW in uh, DDT and defending the DDT title um, back home in England. So with a new champion, I thought maybe Cole Radjic, I thought it would have been kind of cool him leaving as the double extreme champion. Um, I thought that would have been cool maybe heading into their England stop here. So I was like kind of thinking maybe Cole Radjic had a chance to pull a cool upset and keep his crazy momentum going that he's had this year. Um, another one was Gringo. I was kind of wondering maybe Gringo would win. And um, the next one, Tony Depp in a little bit. I didn't think Speedball would win because he ain't going. I don't think he's going with them to England. I think he's got some other uh, obligations still here in the States. And it would have been nice to see Shane Mercer because he, like I said, this was his weekend, in my opinion, and his strength in these matches. Like I just remember last year, he kind of did the same spot this year with Drago Kid, but he puts uh, a, his opponent on that ladder, does a couple presses over his head, military presses, and then just tosses the ladder and the wrestler outside to everyone on the ring outside the ring so i i love seeing Shane mercer in these kind of matches especially because his how much of a high flyer he really is with his strength and off the ladder i was kind of seeing we see some crazy moonsault battery like from the top but uh this was an entertainment match like this this had everything that i thought it would have in it speedball was another interesting factor in my mind in this match because i never really seen him get into matches with the other than I saw like what was the impact they had the ultimate X match. But other than that, like he's more a technical slot, like normal ring, normal wrestling match, not with these crazy, no rules and 
all the changes that happens during these matches that let the rules kind of slip to the wayside. I was interested to see how he would perform in this match, but he did w pretty good, but I think there were some moments he did look out of his element. I'm just happy I got what notes I could in this one. There was really no taking a breath. It was intense. It was highly entertaining. 18 and a half minutes long. It felt like more in a good way just because there was so much packed in it. I mean, it's like opening up a package and, and just something just flies out of it there was so much going on there i was really happy with just like you i was really happy with the opening and i even wrote here again it says the pan shots of the crowd there's like the camera it almost looked like it's on a jib arm which is like a crane it's like 15 to 30 degrees above the horizon it's this great cam looking down and it moves off like uh, left to right honestly whoever knows what i'm kind of talking about knows what i'm talking about it is so cool if you guys could keep that but uh, yeah, that was pretty much all I have to say about this one, because uh, it was just a whirlwind, man. And and big, big ups to everybody that was in this because it was just fantastic. Yeah. And Joy Janela, too, that elbow drop that you said it was in between. Um, I, I uh, Speedball, I think, yeah, Speedball was on the outside. Speedball or Depp, I can't remember which one, but like was in between the two rings, like where they have that little space with the ropes. And that's where yeah. uh, Joey ended up putting... Uh, his opponent on the doors there and jump in like he that's a high jump and he didn't have much space in between those two ropes like I thought that was a kind of a crazy jump especially with those ropes because I think those ropes would get uh like have a misconception about it where they think every everyone thinks it's just bouncy ropes like those ropes are steel wire that just happen to have a little give to make you bounce off of it or to bounce onto it and get some extra height going um I just thought it was kind of crazy that he would kind of take that risk because there was no no space to miss if he would have missed that would have been not so pretty if he would have landed on one of those ropes but um oh it's tony Depp. that's what it was tony Depp was on the ropes and i think tony like is just sitting there probably like oh jesus please hit this joey because if not then uh we're gonna have an ugly situation on our hands but joey being the veteran and crazy asshole that he is he uh hit that perfectly just like how he seems to always do and um ends up picking the up the victory and hopefully he's probably taking that ddt extreme title back home to england where he will defend it in gw's name that will lead us to our second match of the evening as all heart like christian goes against alex shelley and yeah I was all in on this one. This was my kind of style match. This reminded me of an old Impact Wrestling uh, match back in the day, the Asylum days, where they had just high flying in the X division. I think Blake obviously would fit right in with that division. So him going one-on-one <laughs> -on -one against Alex Shelley, I had my attention for sure. What were your thoughts on this match? Okay, so we can finally put something to rest about Blake. The fact that he was getting any sort of boost, this time he was 100% well-received. Um, anything left from that bullshit at the few previous shows is gone. And I'm happy that I don't have to mention it or listen for it again. So that whatever the hell that was is all over. Thank goodness, because I like Blake and I want to see him succeed. Alex Shelley being there. Nothing really more to say about that for right now. Similar body types, similar speeds. I would love to see both in their prime. I think Blake is on his way up and Alex, obviously we've seen quite a bit of work out of him he has he's he's fantastic man both men were really doing wrestling in this there were holds wrist locks uh old school heat that shelly was pulling in uh it was like it was like a slower paced old school style match and that's the other thing i really wanted to say about shelly was it was a heel shelly and a heel shelly's a dick and i like it 
Didn't he pull uh, Tony Depp in? Didn't he take someone's hat off and chuck it? I yeah. Like that was pretty yeah. fun seeing him do it because I was like, Alex Shelley does that. Like I like I like how he goes in between face heel face heel, but I've always loved him as a heel, especially when he was in Impact with uh with Kevin Nash as um as like kind of like the director of the films. I just mm-hmm. every time I see Alex Shelley, I think a heel Alex Shelley just because that's what always stuck out. That was one of my fondest memories of Alex Shelley. But since he's been back, as you said, wrestling, he's been killing it, and he still got. A lot of miles like even though all the, he took a lot of time off i think he's still got a lot more to go in the tank and him and blake christian showed that okay so on my end i really thought that shelly was more or less in control the first half of the match heel shelly was really working the shit out of him blake was basically getting a calculated ass beating because he was taking calculated by he was taking his time so he'd pop pop and then let blake sit there for just a little bit it's more of the impact style than it is the GCW style. And I like it because this helps this helps um, Shelly to kind of get more heat because of the stalling. We talk about how stalling, especially GCW fans, are going to be fickle enough. They are not going to like stalling. And they know that stalling is more intentional and they, they treat it the heel, uh, the heel way it should be treated. So then we go to the second half of the match. This is where Blake starts to kind of build more momentum. Uh, more momentum and then he will get knocked down again and then he'll get back up again but it's less of an ass kicking and more now of blake putting up a fight both men were trading these incredible blows back and forth for like a good 15 20 seconds i wrote it down because it was just fantastic to watch i could see that to a small degree blake and shelly weren't a hundred percent familiar with each other but they work so well together that if they were given three, four matches, they would be decently familiar enough to where they could put on um, a top show of the year style match. But Blake took about 85% of the damage in this match. It was, it was really good. It was, you know, Shelly did his damnedest to come over there and make sure Blake looked really good also and really strong too. Yeah. I think that's a thing that kind of gets missed on a lot of fans. And like, I, like, as you said, it just came in my mind. Like I'd, I think of it because, like, I have a weird mind like this, but I'm like, I wonder if this is the first time they've ever wrestled against each other because uh-huh. that's always going to probably be the worst unless you're one of these well-known veterans who could call a match in the ring and just eat off the fly, where Alex Shelley probably is one of those veterans for sure. But I don't know if that is the first time that they've ever crossed paths, but sometimes when I'm watching these matches, I always wonder, like, oh, like, okay, they were a little... Like, as you said, not noticeable, like too noticeable sloppy, but not like it just wasn't all the way there. It wasn't fully connecting. Everything wasn't fully smooth. There was very, very small hiccups. And I don't I didn't really notice it in this match, but I that's just that statement that made me think, like, I wonder if this was their one of their first times meeting, because I guess on the independent scene, you, this you might wrestle against the same people quite often in different promotions. And you could definitely tell when people have worked with each other how comfortable and smooth the matches and then you also get these dream matches that they gcw always seems to have and i just i never really thought about like all these times that i've seen like suzuki against nick gage or suzuki against blake christian like that's probably like their first time ever getting the ring with each other and i don't notice most of the time during those matches like oh like so that looked off or that looked off like they all look so solid so i think that just gives even more like we just we need to give these wrestlers more credit for getting into the ring and putting on awesome and crazy matches without ever getting into the ring with that opponent until that evening. So that's just a cool little thing that you said that made me think of. Like I just wanted to point that out. Like how many more dream matches have we seen that these people have never wrestled against each other? Um, but this one was fun. It did I felt for sure impact here. And um 
Blake Christian does end up with the victory. And he did it with a little sneaky little roll-up as he's done the last couple times. Not a couple times, but he's kind of weaving that into his moveset. And I kind of like that because it always makes it feel like you never know when the match is going to end, especially when he does these quick little roll-ups. So uh, him weaving this into his movesets, very awesome to see. And I am glad to see the all-heart Blake Christian back with a victory over Alex Shelley. For our third matchup of GCW's Art of War, it is a tag team match. As Aussie Open, Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis go against Jordan Oliver and Nick fucking. And I was excited for this match more so. I kind of already knew. I was thinking I knew the ending, but I was excited to see how Jordan and Nick Wayne, this was a big step up for them. Um, like I was excited for them for this is the Macisos. I thought that was a huge step up for a tag team match. And I know they have on the horizon, which now we have a date date for the Detroit show. Um, hopefully we'll see as was kind of teased. And the last time they were in Detroit, we get the Motor City Machine Guns going against Jordan and Nick Wayne. But I think uh, as a good kind of uh, test for the Motor City Machine Guns, Aussie Open was definitely a big challenge for Jordan and Nick Wayne. So I was kind of skeptical of what would happen for the ending of the match, but I was excited to see what would happen during the match. And this was pretty fun. This was a nice, fun match where Aussie Open definitely looked strong. And Jordan and Nick obviously got to show how well of a team they have grown into. So what was your thoughts on this match, John? This match was an eye-opener. I think it was an eye-opener to see who Aussie Open was. Because for me, that was the first time I'd seen them. And it also was an eye-opener for Jordan and Nick as to where they're at right now and how far they could go. Yes. Uh, this was showing a very, very, very polished tag team up against a newer tag team here yeah. with Oliver and Wayne. But um, Jordan and Wayne come out, and here you go with the young, dumb, and broke from the crowd. Uh, the Aussies come out in one of my favorite shades of green. I don't care who makes fun of me. I still love the colors, man. First time in GCW, I believe, and they look fantastic. Jordan and Wayne, honestly, after seeing this, they need matching gear. They would have looked so good in the ring up against those guys. It would have probably just added a little more credibility because of the look, but they're totally a team. Yeah, I thousand percent agree, even though like they have been kind of getting as coordinated as possible, I think, with their colors, because they have a lot of kind of matching colors like this one. Nick wore kind of a more bright silver slash whitish, while Jordan wore his like grayish color. So I've noticed too, like when they wore like all black before, but it's not quite the same. And I think the presentation of the uh, United Empire Aussie Open here, and especially how United Empire with Will Ospreay and Aussie Open, like you can tell how much they care about their attire, their look, their presentation, because they came out and you could just tell it was a little different level of care and kind of paying attention to the coordination of the colors. And obviously they're a team. They've been for a while. They got the, probably the big new Japan check to be able to afford all these flashy and uh, matching colors as well. While Jordan and Nick still probably have to kind of wrangle up some money on the independent scene to get a matching color. But I think, as you said, if they, when they get matching colors, like that's the next thing. And that's what actually like the main thing I'm looking for during the, matchup hopefully we get in detroit um against the motor city machine guns i think if they have matching gear at that moment that will be like hey to me that's their that's their way of telling the crowd and the fans like hey we have finally 
fully embraced being a tag team. We got the matching gear. We have the look. We got the tag moves. And I think that will push them to the next level because move-wise and in the ring, they definitely have it as a tag team. And I just think, as you said, the matching colors or the matching design, some sort of matchiness or team name would show more cohesion as a team. I think that will elevate them to the next level where we would really, really start taking them way more serious as a top tag team. Not top, but upper tier tag team in uh, independent wrestling and wrestling in general. So for me, for some reason, I'm seeing blue on them. I think it's just maybe the face thing and the way colors kind of work. I'd love to see them in like a darker blue. I have an idea, and I don't know how many people have done it before as performers, but I would love to see different styles of gear and different colors of gear possibly picked by the fans. Maybe the fans would go, you know, he would look good in this or that. And the performer could go, look, I'm, I'm choosing between these three things. Can somebody help me out? I always thought it would be kind of cool to see to see two guys go, look, we're, we're doing our tag team thing. What color would you like to see us in or what sh- what style would you like to see us in? We'll, we'll heavily consider it. Yeah, kind of fun. The the, uh, the this Aussie team is just so fantastic. They were amazing heels through this. Jordan initially was getting the shit kicked out of him. He was getting thrown around everywhere. Wayne Fletcher, similar body types. Wayne's a touch smaller. It's like I'm watching these guys seven to eight years apart from each other. It's like as Wayne matures and he starts to build his body more and he starts to fill out, you'd see Fletcher primarily. But I need to know um, what that Jordan and Wayne spinning pile driver move is. You know, when there's a guy on the ground and he picks up Wayne upside down, he spins him and then drops. Okay, and. I'd like to know what that's called. I've been listing quite a few shows. If you know what it is, please tell me, but I don't really know. I've never there heard was... a name on it yet. Okay, good. Double dives, double moves. Both members of Aussie Open were uh, bringing something different to this. And I do think that as a tag team, they're very complementary to each other. One's more muscle. One is a little more lean. He's capable of different things than the other. But um, Wayne does finally get to show out at one point during the match. I can't remember what minutes it was, but he just goes nuts on Aussie Open. And I'm guessing maybe a three-minute showcase. But, I mean, he just goes to town at Rex House. Again, here we are. A brain buster was put on Nick Wayne. I'm really not a fan of him. I'm just saying I hope not to see it again on Nick Wayne. He's still growing, such and such. And I'm just being a dad, I guess. But um, we did have a couple of uh, rope-related injuries tonight. So if there is humidity, generally what would happen is you wipe down the ropes between matches with towels, even if a wrestler has to bring one out and just... But if somebody does that, that'll help that humidity because that might save necks. Yeah, I love this match. Um, that Nick Wayne spotlight, as you had it in your notes, and like that's what I, like that was the gift that I remember just seeing all night was just Nick Wayne got like two minutes, three minutes of just going to town, and I love like that's where I think he excels, especially as a face tag team with this Jordan uh, tag team with Jordan, whereas he is like the perfect hot tag, like. Hot tag, come in, wreck shit, and boom. But he also plays a more sympathetic role where he could get beat up for the majority of the match. And he makes a hot tag to Jordan, and Jordan comes in and cleans house. But I think, like, Nick Wayne provides a little different level on his, uh, that little two-minute hot tag where he just goes off and hits everything so clean. The movements, the, for his age, it just still blows my mind how smooth he is in the ring because 
he doesn't look like a teenager like trying to work together with a world famous tag team in the Aussie Open. Like they, he stepped up his game. And he looked fantastic tonight. Jordan the same way. He did get at the beginning, like when you said he was kind of like looked like he was kind of getting punked out there. That's how I was kind of taking it. Where like the Aussies opens, like, hey, this is this is the tag team you brought us. You brought us these young kids. Like we asked for your best, and you bring us your young pillars. And I think that's kind of like how they're doing because they have major heel heat, like that kind of stuff, where they think they're above their competitors, and like they uh, they just had that little shitty smirk on their looks, like. We came to GCW and this is what you provided us. And like, you could tell yeah, those first couple yeah. strikes that Kyle Fletcher's like, Nope, I'm laying you out, Jordan. I w- get out of here. I want to see Nick Wayne. I want to see what the, uh, what the Will Ospreay was talking all about us about the next young Will Ospreay. But KG made a good point where Nick Wayne, as you said, is just a little bit shorter than Kyle Fletcher, but damn, they looked very similar standing mm-hmm. next to each other. And they, and KG made a point. like, in, and Nick Wayne's only 17 years old and doing as this size as Kyle Fletcher. So as he continues to grow, it's just going to be amazing to see what Nick Wayne does. And I just love seeing Jordan and Nick Wayne tag team. And like this one was a very good showcase. I love how they kind of didn't get the craziness of uh, sometimes a GCW match does with the tables and doors or whatever. I kind of like seeing a natural old school tag team pace, tag in, tag out. Like that was the match I was looking forward in this match too, and I h- kind of hope that's the same thing that happens in their match with Motor City Machine Guns. But yeah, Aussie Open is unfortunately just on a different level. Like they, they're good. They they were really good, and they I loved how they got to kind of showcase to the GCW fans of like, hey, this is uh you got well Australia now you get a taste of us, and hopefully we get to see United Empire all three back in a GCW ring soon. And I think this was a good test where Jordan and Nick Wayne are for the Motor City Machine Guns. And I actually think this might have been a bigger test because obviously the bigger size wrestlers, I'd like to see maybe uh, they team up against the Motor City Machine Guns. Like, I think maybe the size, they will have the size advantage of this match. So I, I'm interested to see how that match plays out because of their size advantage. But you have the veteran status of... Winner of the match, Aussie Open. Double team move that I cannot name. One, two, and three. I really honestly wish I could tell you what it was. I listened carefully at that time. At, you know, at, I don't know what time it was. I did not research it, and I wish I did. So our winner was Aussie Open. I am 100% sorry that I messed up their finish. That's that's my botch. I, uh, I definitely could watch these guys again. They were fantastic. At the end of this match, they extended hands. They shake with each other. So both men have a few nice words with each other. And that leaves Jordan Wayne in the ring. So they get their cheers. They get their uh, they get their love from the night from the fans. And again, it shows exactly uh, how far and how much further the Wayne and Oliver team can go. They have uh, so far to go. And we th- we think they're really fairly fantastic already. Yep. They have a gel. They have a natural gel and we can see it because if they didn't, this would be, this would be a non-talk completely. And I kind of like, even though they kind of have lost their, as a tag team quite a bit. I like that because it shows like every master, they've gotten better and better and better. And it shows, especially in the in-ring portion of it and how fluid and solid they are as a tag team doing these double team maneuvers i just like even though they're losing you could see the growth the growth the growth and i think maybe that motor city machine guns in detroit would be the perfect kind of coming out party for jordan and nick as a tag team as a solid solidified bona fide tag 
tag team in GCW that needs to be recognized as one of the top teams because with all the tag match that they or the tag teams in this match at the end of the night, Art of War, I think they there's a little different style, but I think they have a lot more room to kind of showcase how Nick Wayne and Jordan could interact with a Mance Warner and a Justice or a Pussy. We already seen Macisos. I kind of don't want to see John Wayne Murdoch and Alex Cologne against them because that would be a little uh, too violent for my taste for those two because I think those two are more natural. And I love, like, this one was just natural tag in, tag out, no craziness. And I really liked how Aussie opened at the end, as you said, they gave him the handshake before they did yeah, that. I think even yeah. as an extra sign of respect, they put their tag belts away from them in the corner, kind of saying, like, hey, this ain't about us being tag champs in New Japan right now or wherever they're tag champs. I, forget. I don't even know. Those are the New Japan tag teams titles that they're holding but i just think it was pretty cool that hey this ain't about us right now we got the victory and they walk over to jordan and jordan of course is protecting nick wayne so he gets up and has his dukes ready to throw like all right thought the match is over but we're still gonna keep on going like no come on man get your partner up here good shit you guys did a good job and i think i definitely want to see this matchup again maybe even a year or two down the line as nick bodies gets bigger same with jordan and Seeing how fluid they get, I think that in a couple of years, like two years, that match could be another crazy banger. But Aussie Open does get the victory at Art of War. That will go into our fourth match of the night. But that really wasn't a match that was scheduled. It wasn't. Uh, none of this was scheduled of this part of the evening. But Matt Cardona comes out, starts trying to get his little promo work in. Then Jimmy fucking Lloyd comes out. And I like how they <laughs> made a call back to the wedding of, hey, Jimmy, you were the one who ruined my night. I couldn't even consummate my wedding because I didn't have the wedding rings and stuff like that. And I like how I think Dave praise that goes, does he even know what consummate means? Like, you know what he's saying? <laughs> and like, I think KG goes, yeah, I think he maybe consummated once or twice before. So I love the interaction and commentary on this uh, segment. So what was your thoughts on the Matt Cardona segment with Jimmy Lloyd? <laughs> Yeah, so he's talking about the consummation. I don't know if you saw that Chelsea's kind of got her head. She's kind of shaking yep. along. <laughs> yeah, we done nothing yet. yeah, so here we go with Cardona getting those heavy boos. I'm telling you, that's like that's like water when you're when you're tired and hung, you know, dry, like water coming from the sky. You're like, okay, we get the fucking bitch at this guy. You're blowing <laughs> off all your steam. You know, shut the fuck up versus deathmatch king chance. We're going on. He's getting those chants. That's crazy. A year later, he's still getting those. Yeah, he mentioned it during his promo a little bit there, and then it kind of popped out. I was really, I was really liking it. There were a few mic issues, no lie. I kind of stay away from things like that. So I'm only mentioning it because there was a couple parts I couldn't hear, and I don't know if they were important or not. Sincere apologies. I do try to make sure I mention as much as I can. Jimmy Lloyd then coming out the Jimmy fucking Lloyd chance. But overall, Cardona says that if he loses this match, he's going to leave GCW. So I'm watching, personally, I'm watching Cardona's uh, arm the whole time. I'm oh trying God. to figure out how serious or not serious. Is he fully healed? I have no idea. So that was really one of the concerns for me, because as a full-grown adult, it's not sometimes about that. I'm, I'm literally like, okay, is he okay now? Is he back to normal? I totally you know. spaced that. I didn't even realize that during that, that quote-unquote match that he had. Like I was like, oh, yeah. I I totally forgot he was hurt. So yeah. I'm, I'm glad you yeah. pointed it out because yeah, that's uh, something that made me think. I'm like, oh yeah, that does kind of change how this uh, kind of played out. Well, Cardona then takes off his shirt and starts choking Jimmy. And again, okay, so this was short. You were saying this is a two and a half minute. It's not even two and a half minutes. So I always like when you can kind of see the heel manager yelling or interacting with the crowd 
at the bottom of the screen while the match is going on. Do you know what I'm talking yep. about? Where I loved it, where basically Cardona was choking Jimmy. And at the same time, you could see Chelsea going at the bottom of the screen, just straight bitching. And that's some of my favorite stuff. So if, same thing. I've never actually mentioned camera stuff so much, but if anybody can, it's a real easy one, even with a hard camera with... But uh, yeah, it's really cool because, you know, they're out there to perform. You get to pick them up on there. And yeah, she was bitching and screaming and it looked freaking fantastic. Um, this was really weird, though, because the finish was really interesting. So he's kind of got Lloyd. Well, first of all, our winner is Matt Cardona. But here's how it happened. I really shouldn't have jumped the gun on that one. But Matt Cardona's got Jimmy and he's kind of in the middle of the ring there. And Jimmy's struggling. He can't get away. And then Chelsea comes up to the ring real quick. She takes her shirt off, Cardona style, shows boobs, which stuns Jimmy. Jimmy's just, he can't think anymore. Cardona comes up from behind, low blows Jimmy, and Jimmy gets pinned one, two, three. So, yeah, our winner, Matt Cardona. It looks like tonight was just the night that Cardona's needed to take the shirt off. It is what it is. And I, I, It is what it is. I think we forgot to mention, too, it was uh, Matt Cardona did, because as you said, it was very hard to kind of understand what was being said, because I was the same way. I'm like, what? Um, once again, we got to the, the audio. I don't, I, like I said, we talk about the audio seems like every show, but once they get that audio, I think their production level is going to be crazy. If they start adding in these vignettes and stuff like how they did for Hammerstein, but I digress because we did forget to mention that somewhere during his ranting on Jimmy Lloyd, this match is for the internet, internet title that, uh, Cardona did oh. bring out. Because, oh. yeah, I think he was playing up to like, hey, I'm not the only or you're not the only one, Nick Gage, that could have a career versus title match. Here I am. I put this up against and then Jimmy Lloyd. So the, Jimmy Lloyd, if he would have won, he would have been the new Internet title match. And I think AG would have had a field day with that. So I kind of mad we didn't get that little payoff of having <laughs> uh, AG just talk about how much Jimmy Lloyd is going to ruin the Internet and blow the Internet up. Uh, KJ, oh, KG did say one thing though. He said it took Chelsea and her two best friends getting yep. involved to change the outcome <laughs> of this matchup. So yeah, he he did uh, he did kick a little bit in there. And I liked uh, Max Recon. The, I think that was a referee on this one. Uh huh. I think uh -huh. yeah, Max Recon's reaction to like at that spot too. Like again, <laughs> the camera obviously was on purpose facing the back. Like she did it facing the hard cam or not facing the hard cam with this. So all like. All I really saw was the back and stuff, but like I just like Recon's face is like, okay, get down, Ch whoa! Like you should see him even get stunned too. Where, like it was fun. It was a, it was a funny little entertaining stuff. Like Cardona, even when he comes out and he spends five minutes on the mic, but then he does these kind of matches. Like he still gets the heat, gets the crowd, as you said, energized and like, hey, this mm -hmm, is our release. Mm -hmm. Let's let's get get the booze out for Cardona and stuff like that. So Cardona, I think he's. Very smart of how he's handling his run in GCW when he's kind of like picking his spots, when to have a match, when to come out just to trash the fans, when to showcase Chelsea, when to showcase their, his friends and stuff like that. So I enjoy Cardona on a GCW card. I think he does add more than what kind of uh, other people think that he adds to the show because honestly, I think he is, much as he says it too, a huge reason why GCW grew over this last year because of his match with Nick Gage and I it's very hard to argue to have somebody of that kind of veteran status and the history that he's had wrestling wrestling in a death match in GCW against the death match king and as crazy as Nick Gage was like after what happened with Arquette what is Cardona thinking he's never been in a death match I thought just how everything played off of that whole thing over this last year where he's has rode that momentum where I thought 
after he lost it last year at Art of War, I thought, okay, he's done. We're not going to see him again. So it is very nice seeing him still coming back and still showing the GCW fans love. And I think he kind of likes it, and so does Chelsea too, because they get to show a way different, more vulgar, more uh, over-the-top heel as he yeah. wants to play yeah. because he gets the freedom of cussing everybody out using these phrases and words that he probably can't say on nwa or wherever else he's wrestling at uh, nowadays but i'd always like seeing cardona back in um yeah and that was nice seeing jimmy lloyd come out and they kind of brought that piece together from the the wedding i always like when they kind of bring pieces together so yes yeah that was fun this was really um first of all this was definitely an inner internet worthy moment considering yeah. you know with chelsea you know fantastic that's also going to get everybody's name out there which is fine um this is where I would say, yeah, it was really a fun little way to keep Cardona kind of active on the card. I have to say kudos to him for handling his appearances during his injury to be having the wedding, to be doing these things so that he's still providing entertainment for us um, as as he's supposed to do. And without his personality and imagination, I don't think we would have had half of these things. He's on Janela's level when it comes yep. to creativity and imagination, and he's just a completely different flavor. And I think that's just something to mention is just how fantastic he really was able to handle this time. And I'll tell you, it keeps him making money. This is another time where it seems like he's another one of the blueprints on how to do indie wrestling successfully oh yeah for sure he's yeah. out of all those people that we see get let go and we wonder how they're going to do on the scene he's i don't think i think to me it's kind of surprising how much he has killed it because how much he's gone away from his original character gimmick whatever that made him so famous in the first place i love how he's got the creative freedom and i love he does all the cool callbacks from the 85 wrestling and 90s wrestling like i love how he incorporates old school quote-unquote, sports entertainment into our GCW, quote-unquote, ultraviolet wrestling and how he just mixes and matches it. And he uses it so good as a heel. Like, I I love everything Cardona's doing here. Um, uh, I did have another point, but I forgot it. So maybe I'll, if I think about oh, it, no. I'll come back to it. Please you know, do. It's it just, it just fun seeing Cardona in a ring. Like, ultimately, that's what it comes down. Oh, that's what it was. Even, like, when he just got the injury and then, what, the next week or the two weeks later... He did a quote-unquote match against Blake Christian, fully, like, still his arm was in the cast and everything. Like, he still did a match with Blake Christian to kind of still finish his job, finish his obligation maybe with GCW, where he didn't have to. You could easily say, oh, Blake wins by forfeit, or Blake here, you got a surprise opponent to find out who oh. the new number one contender is. And he's Matt Cardona came out, did a little match that way, and still took the loss. Went out injured, gave up the number one contendership to Blake Christian, and I thought that was just a cool thing that he didn't have to do and GCW didn't have to do. But Cardona's like, no, let's do it. Like I got nothing else to do. I'm going to be injured. Let me just put someone over real fast, and maybe Blake Christian getting a win over a name like Matt Cardona makes Blake Christian more appealing to fans to possibly beat John Moxley for the GCW title. Now, was that the match where um, he was in the wheelchair? Yep. And, so he, and, he, and he's like and the neck and like he's got i got the neck brace on but it's his arm that's injured and stuff like that and then like they did the oh well here I'm, i was always a broski said blake christian i'll lay down for you yes. as one last little give back to one of my heroes and i love how they brought him back to the wedding because he said he was one of his heroes and that's why they got the big hug and stuff too so i love seeing that uh 
kind of stuff from Cardona because he doesn't have to do any of that stuff. I think nope, he's just nope. enjoying it so much. And I think GCW seeing that like, he is bringing attention to GCW from a more mainstream, as we were kind of talking about Meltzer. It's kind of cool seeing Meltzer giving GCW some love and as a mainstream wrestling uh, personality, same as Cardona, mainstream wrestler, kind of going and giving GCW love. And I think that adds just so much credibility for future bigger names, quote unquote, from the bigger companies to come work with GCW. Like, hey, if Cardona's enjoying it, loving it, I might enjoy it and love it too. And they'd be willing to work with GCW and do some more awesome things that GCW's been doing lately. And that will lead us into our fifth match of the evening. And there's where the violence starts to begin. As Sawyer (laughs) Wreck goes one-on-one with Charlie Evans. And yeah, I was right away, this is going to be the start of the violence and fuckery because Sawyer Wreck is... Been on a roll lately. Charlie Evans, not so much on a roll, but having great performances while taking a beating from all her opponents that she's had. So it's kind of nice seeing her um, maybe having a chance to possibly pick up the victory here against Sawyer Wreck. And this was fun. It was a nice, fun death match. I kind of liked how they gave like the women a chance for the death match when they could have easily probably put in maybe some other wrestlers there. But they realized, hey, we got all these men and women in the in the main event doing some craziness. Let's give these two women who have definitely earned it over these last couple months a chance to showcase their spot, uh, give them a spotlight to showcase their ultra-violent uh, skills. And this was, this was fun. What was your thoughts on this, Matt? So I don't think I mentioned it very often. Yeah, yeah, right. But Sawyer is just so different, and I like it. I haven't seen anyone like her, and I think that's absolutely fantastic. And then the the other thing about her was that when you look at her, when she's smiling or when she's interacting with the crowd, she seems so damn nice. Yeah. So it's a really interesting kind of dynamic she has with being able to take so much violence and still being able to kind of, you know, crack a smile at the end of the night there. The difference between her and Charlie were absolutely incredible. The size, the height, just the whole damn thing. I wrote in my notes that I expected brutality straight from the beginning. I didn't think there was going to be anything other than that. It took the first, I don't know, 30 seconds, 45 seconds. And here we go with light tubes. And Charlie was the first one to bleed in this match. But um, I want to just say, if anybody has a chance, if if the camera's going to come up and do like a, a cut on the forehead thing, I am i don't actually make a little cut or just make a little something so that it looks like um, they're bleeding. Because I've seen a couple of times where there's like an up close shot in this case, two in a row, and there was no puncture or, or bleeding. So I don't know, just if, if there's the zoom situation, man, don't let people see that it's not touching or see that it's barely touching, you know, that. Yeah, I'm not a wrestler. I'm just saying as a fan, I go, yeah, she's not actually doing that. And that's what every smart ass kid says when they're watching, too. So I kind of liked that, as you said, that part, because like I kind of noticed that, too. Like, whatever. It's not too big a deal for me. It is noticeable, but it is what it is. Like, hey, okay, we don't get the little blood now, but we know I'm going to get a lot more bloodshed later. But I'd love that part. Mm -hmm. We were just kind of talking about this match with Oren Vite and uh, um, Cole Radrick. I loved during that match when Cole was up on the ropes and Oren was standing over him and had that camera right there in his face. You can see Oren Vite take that little edge and literally just a little poke and you see the blood coming. Poke, you see that's, the blood coming. Like That's what I'm calling for, not, just a little bit. Yeah, it's not like, hey, I'm going to slice this out open like Nick fucking Gage over here with the pizza cutter. But it was just enough to not cause a much, a, like a, 
crazy amount of damage, but to have the blood drawn and have it come down his face where, like, as you said, sometimes it is noticeable. It's like, well, what are they doing? How come, it, like, he sliced them with the tube or sliced them with the pizza cutter? We don't see it. And obviously, we're not going to get every single time we that comes, we're not going to see bloodshed. But I thought that was a very cool spot in that or invite moment because that stuck, so stuck out to me. It's like, yeah, there you go. You Even that little poke gets the blood going. It shows that mm -hmm. you did damage, even if it was a little poke. At least you got that blood flowing, which could weaken Cole Radrick later in the match, which could distract him with the blood in the eyes. Like, you could play it off on commentary and the, how the match goes off when you get that blood. Whereas you said, if they kind of don't get that blood when they go to the side and you get that zo zoom up close, like, hey, we're expecting to see blood. I just loved how Orin Vite and Cole Radrick added that little piece there that made it look way more realistic and cool and fit in with the match. Yeah, I just only wanted to mention it one time because it was just a very little thing. It's not something I'll probably ever say again. It was just like as a fan or as a newer fan every now and then I've heard one of the kids at my house go, he ain't even touching him. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, oh, I hate doing that. But um, yeah, that's the only time I'll ever mention that I'm done with that. And I, I hate doing any critique or negativity at all. So it was just one of those. Hey, man, if, if you see the camera, come on up in close, man. Just a little just a little pop. Just pop this, you know, uh, but I'm also not a fucking wrestler. Um, minute six. Sawyer is putting light tubes across two different chairs. And then in kind of like a reversal, Charlie actually ends up putting Sawyer through those chairs. I see gusset plates on the side of the ring, and I know Sawyer's going to do this, but I'm wondering if Charlie was going to also bleed on those gusset plates. There was a point where Charlie hit a super kick on Sawyer, which was absolutely impressive given the height difference and the extension she'd have to get to get to, uh, to, get to her uh, chin. But both women also bring light tubes to the middle of the ring, and they beat each other with light tubes around the nine-minute mark, and we get heavy, heavy GCW chants. Minute 10, there's gusset, uh, gusset board headbutted into Charlie's forehead, and then Sawyer gets one planted on the side of her head. She kind of like slaps it on her, fucking hits it. We get you sick fuck chance. We get GCW chance. This is where in my notes I just put, I'm so proud of our women in GCW for doing what they do here and how strong they are and what kind of a show they're putting on because I haven't really seen that very often or at all in other divisions where all these women are just that damn strong and they're willing to fight. So it was just something I wanted to mention real quick was because I, I, um, I really thought Sawyer was going to be the bloodier one. It ended up being Charlie, which was really surprised because Sawyer's like the crimson mask queen sometimes. But, um, there was a point where Charlie kicked out at one after she got the shit kicked out of her, probably towards the end of this match. And she ended up hulking out. She went like ape shit on Sawyer and people doing holy shit chance. Um, uh, okay. Let me be generic. I was entertained. It was fucking fantastic. Dude, this match was great. And I love those one counts. Like there's like three things I kind of always look for. when I'm watching a GCW card, because like, I remember when I first started wrestling, like I would always see these spots happen throughout the card, which it's fine. If I see it every card, it's they'd be pop every single time and I get to look for it. But then when it's not used for a couple shows and then it is used again, I love seeing it. And the, the one is the one count when it's done right. I think sometimes mm -hmm. not like not specifically GCW, but just in general in the independent wrestling scene, I don't really see it much ever in upper, uh, obviously bigger, higher promotions, but I would love, to, I love to see it. Cause I think there is times where, that one count after like a finisher after just taking brutal shots and that one count, I think that's so awesome seeing that explosion from the crowd and that wrestler because like you just like holy crap they just took all that and it's one 
when it gets a couple times that throughout that night, it becomes a little bit more like, ah, we already saw it. So I think how they did it in this one was awesome because yeah, she was taking a beating where I thought like, Hey, this is it. This is a good way of like kind of protecting Charlie where it took this much damage to get her down, but she still kicked out of one, which is awesome. Um, another little thing I like seeing is the hot start. Like yes. while, while MLJ yeah. is like about to like even do the announcements, like, and in this corner, we got C Oh shit. Like I just love how he's like <laughs> like has to like get out of the way because like the action's going right at him, or even before he finishes and ring announcing all the competitors, like he's gotta get out of the way because the match has already started. Like I love the hot starts. I love the the one count and um I forgot what else I've usually like seen. Those are the top two. Like whenever I see it, it's awesome. So yeah, when Charlie kicked out that one, I thought that was done. Like I said, I was like, oh, that's a good way to protect her, still make her look like a badass. Where it took that much damage to finish her, but nope, the match kept on going. And yeah, this was this was violent. Like, and it was awesome because I know Charlie's been in it. I know Sawyer Rex been in some wars. I was kind of interested to see how this would go because Sawyer Rex mostly with the light tubes doesn't really do moves with them. It just uses it as offense and striking, which is hey. That's what you have a light tube in your hand for. But I know Charlie mm-hmm. Evans kind of has like the Alex Cologne where, hey, I'm going to do a wrestling move using this light tube and be creative with it and show my move set while also adding some more ultraviolet damage by adding the light tubes in it. And that's what I got during this match was I could see a lot of Sawyer Rec just doing the striking and beating ass that way while Charlie's trying to use her technical skills along with the deathmatch setting to kind of pick up the victory over Sawyer Rec. But yeah, this was fun. Like They definitely went ham on it they went crazy and this was as sorry wreck it's like every time i see her it's like she's getting better and better and better with it like yeah it's it's fun to see it i love watching the growth in all these wrestling you know i'd really be proud to see her go overseas which i believe she's doing and represent gcd gcw even in another company she's so unique um she's just fantastic i don't have many other words it's just the size it's the sheer uh, you know she's just so damn she doesn't back down from anything i think there are quite a few other people she goes farther than quite a few other people i've not there's quite a few i haven't seen get you know dollar bills stapled to their head or you know she's taken some serious gusset plate damage from from previous matches in this company well i know she's tough as nails i would like to see her stick around and maybe get a title maybe just get a title she 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 could use it i think her I, like run, her. I think her time if she is going to japan um could be Super beneficial for her if she plans mm-hmm. on sticking to this deathmatch kind of style because now you get to go to Japan, you learn how they do it. And I've noticed it when every time when GCW was going to Japan and then they came back, you could kind of see the Japan influence on their deathmatch wrestling, how they do it out there. How mm-hmm. GCW is like, oh, that's how you guys do that. And they bring it to the United States and obviously take it to a whole nother level out here. But like they get a lot of ideas from the Japanese deathmatch scene. And I think her going out there wrestling maybe with some of even if it's the other guys because as we talked about with rena like they don't kind of let the women win out there in these death matches but i think even if she doesn't pick up zero victories but she gets in the ring with like maybe two or three competitors i think they got three nights worth of cards out there get her in a match at least two of the three nights let her kind of grow and develop as a wrestler there and learning a lot from being in the ring with some of the japanese death match legends that they have i think that could only just elevate her even more because yeah, she's on like one of those trajectories that just keeps going up and up and up and improving every time we see her. So it's going to be fun if uh, the Japan trip, if she does go over there, because that's what I'll be looking for with her to see how much growth she gets. It's just in my imagination, I see 
maybe let's just say three other gentlemen in the ring. Let's put them in a, in a hall in Tokyo and then representing GCW. Here comes Sawyer wreck. And she's probably going to be three, four inches on average taller than yeah. the average, um, than the average Japanese worker. It's going to be hard to deny who she is when she comes out. And it's going to be real hard to not book her strong because of how tough she is. How are you going to beat somebody that's as tough as she is? Wait until she gets out there and shows what she can do in a ring. I think the Japanese fans may really love her. Yeah, I would, as you said, like put her in like a four-way death match. That'd be awesome. See, because I know when they were last in Japan, they I saw a lot of crazy like four-ways, three-ways, tag team and stuff like that. It's, it's going to be a fun Jap Japan show because I, I hope, I don't know if Takeda's up to it or if he's back to wrestling now or whatnot because i know he went through a little hardship his last time he was out here uh in the states for i think it was ngi or tos one of the two i forgot but i know he fell on some hard times so i wonder if he's going to be out there and see next album i want to see takeda i want to see segura again um i know the chances of it is super unlikely but if it could be done once hopefully they it could be done again as they said it was never could be done in the first place but June Kasai, be, uh, oh my, that would make me her and him. Just June Kasai in general, I want to see in the GCW those three. One of those oh, three. Oh, it's nights. been a while. But June yeah. Kasai, it's been a while. Yeah, I know. Like I think the last time, like they brought him over here. I think it was in. I forgot where they brought him over, but like they even the title of the show was they said it couldn't be done, and they brought June Kasai over. Like that's why it's kind of making that little play with those words because I I June Kasai is one of my favorites, and I don't get mm. to see much of them because. Out here in the time difference, I I do got to go out of my way and catch some more Jun Kasai stuff. But I hopefully we get Segura, Takeda, Rina. I know we're gonna get Drew Parker. I'm a thousand percent sure we're gonna get. Who knows? Because I heard there's some stuff going on with some of the companies out there with uh kind of like what's going on out here, trying to <laughs> keep these independent contractors under a contract that's not really a contract. But I think that Japan show is gonna have a lot of potential. I can't wait. Like I might even stay up or. Like wake up early in those mornings because I think they're gonna do it in Japan time. So it's gonna be like two o'clock here when they start their show out there, and it's gonna be fun. I can't wait for the Japanese uh trip there. Um, going back to this match, I don't know if we said the winner, but just in case, uh, sorry, a wreck. <laughs> just in case, I don't know. Remember if we said it because we always go off on a tangent at, during That's the match. That's okay. But uh, sorry, a wreck does pick up the victory over Charlie Evans, and that was crazy. Like Charlie Evans, like I just I can't. I don't. How she takes all the beatings that she does is incredible to me. And yeah, when she gets the, when she kicked out that one, that was a fun time to see on that pop. And that will lead us into, well, right before we get into our main event of the evening, we have a special guest come out. And that special guest is Nick fucking age. And of course he just came back kind of just to say, Hey, where's my gang at? Get the little, get the crowd hyped up. It wasn't just like, Hey, let's just throw them out there. Like it was for a purpose. Like, Hey, you guys know what you're about to see right now. Like you remember last year's art of war games and how violent it was, but my team was out there and get the victory. Well, I'm going to take the back seat. I think, did he up on commentary during this match? I can't remember a couple days ago. I can't remember if he was on commentary or not. I think he was though during this match, but he didn't talk as much as he normally did. If I remember I'm going to have to trust you. Okay. Honestly, I can't, I can't remember. And I watched this then reviewed it. <laughs> so, um, I, know, I watched this twice too. Like I watched, I went back like yeah. right after the art of war games, I went back and like immediately went back and watched it again for a second time. Cause I was like, I know I missed some stuff here. What did I miss? Cause there was like a lot of going on. And, uh, but Nick age does come out, gets his love. Like he, 
absolutely deserves and should get at every show. And he announces that NGI7 is coming back to Chicago. Yeah. That's all I was talking finally. about yesterday. Yeah. When I was talking about that yesterday, I'm like, I, when I see that, or maybe it was two days ago, all these days are starting to go when we record these podcasts. When we were talking about the venue and how it looked, I like the one thought when I saw the venue was violence. But I'm like, what's mm-hmm. NGI? I couldn't not remember if NGI was there or not, but I think they use a different setup for the NGI show or how the show looks other than war games. Because of obviously you don't need the two rings, maybe they had more room around. I just remember I, I thought it was that venue, and now I'm so glad when he said coming back for NGI, I was like, yes, I was right on the NGI stuff, but <laughs> I can't wait because yeah, the NGI was super fun last year, and uh, maybe we'll see if Brett could catch another flying light tube and save a fan's life as he did last year. And MDK comes out and hypes us up for our main events of the E, and that is a four games match. For the GCW Tag Team Titles. As we have the Briscoes going against Pussy, Los Macisos, Second Gear Crew, and the Mega Bastards, John Wayne Murdoch and Alex. And uh, before we hop into here, let me pull up my notes real fast and kind of explain. What were your thoughts beforehand of how they were going to do the entrances and stuff like that? Because I know MLJ had to give out. It was different rules. It wasn't the normal art of war rules it was had to be modified because of the tag team situation so what was your how did you think they were going to do it or did they do it how you thought they were okay so i initially thought they were going to go with more of a traditional style war where um one team would come out one man from that team has to enter second team comes out one man has to enter and then they go from there and alternate and then the next team comes out i have a feeling what would have happened there there would have been too many on the outside and the whole point is to get the championship. So I think they probably would have fought on the outside eventually anyway. So I think what they did, I don't know if somebody screwed it up. I think I heard on Patreon where Cologne says that I think they just went two in and we just went with it. I'm You might have to misquote me on that one because I was staying up late and doing homework. But um, two teams started off on this thing and every five minutes someone was to enter. So from what Emma was telling me, I felt that that's what it was going to be. And I felt it was going to be a member at a time, old school style. Yeah. See, so what really happened was the team, a whole team entered every five minutes. But when I was seeing that, I heard those rules. Like I immediately, like I kind of paused it and I was like, well, here's how I would have done. I went right to my notes. So I'm going to read my notes now of how I would have done the tag, the the entries in this, because I not saying they did it wrong. It was good. I just think for the fairness of everything, and I missed it. I still haven't watched it yet. They actually took one of my ideas that I didn't even know beforehand and did this before the match to see the entry orders for how they did it, who came out. They actually had, I forgot who was holding the bucket, and they kind of drew the names out for the team entrance. That's how they decided the team entrance for the orders, how they came out. So that was actually the first thing I thought about before I even knew about that. I still haven't gone back to watch Hmm. it because I'm pretty sure that's entertaining. But that was like the first note I wrote it. I was like, I kind of wish they would have done old school Royal Rumble style where literally the 10 competitors go into the little tumbler, pick out which order entry they're coming out with, and boom, every two minutes, you got a new competitor. So Because we know... There's 10 competitors in this match, so eight's got to come out. And if we go five minutes at a time, or that's going to be 40 minutes before we can even have a winner, that's just too long in this match. So I was thinking every two minutes, boom, a new competitor come out. So then 16 minutes or 15 minutes, whatever you want to say, boom, all the competitors are out there and the craziness can now begin. So that was my original thought was each like individual. like So we could have a Royal Rumble number one situation where 
FB Drew number one and Alley Catch comes out number two. And then see, obviously they wouldn't compete, but I was just kind of wondering what would happen in those situations. So that was my first way I thought about it. And then I thought about another way to kind of make it fair, which would be kind of do the same thing of having one person from each team. So the match would start off with one representative from two teams. And then add in another representative from the third team, another representative from the fourth, and then the fifth. But on the fifth, I would have had them both come out to kind of have the advantage since they kind of drew fifth or whatnot. And then whatever team came out one would come out number six, whatever come out two would be number seven. I just thought those would be like cool ways to hmm. kind of get more singles, even though I know this is a tactile, so I know this kind of counteracts my entire point, but to see them kind of in a singles interact with each other, singles uh, with each in each team and then bring out their tag team for the advantages and stuff like that later on as the match would have went out. But how they did it was still awesome. It was still cool. But I just remember right away when I was hearing the rules, I like, okay, I think I understand it. And then I saw how they did it. And I just had to pause and think about like two things that I thought about that would have been kind of cool to see them enter in. But this was crazy. <laughs> This definitely no, beat yeah. my expectations. I thought last year would have been tough to kind of beat because of all the storyline, but I think they kind of did a very good job over the couple of weeks of getting all the teams fighting for the tag titles. And hey, this I, we used to be the tag champions. No, we are. No, we used to be. No, we used to be. And then John Wayne, Merrick, Alex Bones, like we're we're the two violent, most violent people on the roster. How are we not going to be in the most violent match? We're in this too. So I thought the buildup was cool that, to create that storyline, but the in-ring action of this one far surpassed anything I saw last year. So I know you probably got your crazy rundown with the craziness oh my gosh. of this uh, this Art of War Games match, so I'll kind of let you take it over from there because I know you got good notes on the action that happened in the Okay, so bear with me, and please, 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 honestly, feel free to jump in when you can, because otherwise this may be a minute or two just to go through this. This match was 31 minutes long. So the first thing I want to say when it comes to this match is 100% everyone put their asses on the line. There was a lot on the line physically here, and I, I want to say that before we started, Alex Cologne damn near died putting on this match for us. He lost a chunk of his fucking head during this, ma this match, I believe. Um, he went to the hospital after this, and he um, he just didn't... He, he, went, uh, he went gray, and uh, his lips turned blue, and it wasn't good. So um, I hope before we start this, it's, it's made sure that it's, you know, with the utmost respect of the fact that someone really did literally put their life on the line for the match that night. And... Wow. Wow. Um, okay. So if you are a Patreon member, there was just literally a release a couple of days ago with Alex Cologne and Stephen A, where they're talking about Alex's experience there. So this match, it gets even deeper when you have a chance to get on there and uh, check it out. So yeah, if you're a member, check it out. Otherwise, GCW Patreon, you might want to check it out at some point because it's absolutely fantastic and stuff like this comes up. And if you are interested, it's just so nice to hear from the performers what really was going on in that ring because all of this was impressive. It's like hearing a behind the scenes from like Star Wars. It's really I love the match. It's so much more fantastic when I know what everybody was thinking and what was really going on. And that yeah, that's you want to hear a first person account from it no one better than Alex Cologne. And he does a lot of like, I said it before, like there's in deathmatch wrestling nowadays. Like I want to hear Alex Cologne talk about it. Cause 
He knows his shit. He knows the ins and out of it. He knows, as you said, he will kind of break that fourth wall and let us know what happened, what was supposed to happen. He does it to a point. He does protect the business a lot, which is awesome. I like kind of having that balance of just instead of exploding that fourth wall wide open, he keeps the balance of, hey, this is what we did. This is maybe what we should have did, but I'm not going to tell you everything because you guys don't need to know everything. And we don't. So I like how he does that. And he did that incredibly for this match. Um, and as well, that's kind of why I missed the history of the GCW shows that they were used to have on Patreon because we get to hear from Brett what it felt like booking this match. How did he get these mm-hmm. two competitors? Or, oh, what happened? Alex Cologne hit his head. And then he tells us the stories about what happens during or after the match with the wrestlers maybe going to the hospital and stuff like that. That's why I loved. They do got quite a bit of the history of GCWs on their Patreon. So if that's the kind of shit that interests you, like how it interests me, Highly go check out the GCW Patreon. Thanks for even five bucks a month. You get all those podcasts or $10 a month, whatever it is, because those podcasts are very informative and entertaining as well. Hearing the behind the scenes stories of how these matches and cards get put together and possibly what happens during these matches outside of what we see on Fight TV or behind the curtain. Oh my gosh. So are we ready for this match? (laughs) Here we go. Yeah. This was a fun one. Okay, honestly, like I said, you stop me where you need to because every now and then it, it might be good to to breathe a little here. But <laughs> SGC comes out first, so they have their fucking awesome entrance. Pantera is blaring. They're handing them beers, you know, so they're they're doing their beer thing that SGC loves to do. The second team is going to be our tag team champions at GCW, the Briscoes. I like them a lot as our tag team champions, honestly, and the fans had a great ovation for that. I mean, they went nuts for the Briscoes in this one. There was a lot of early chair shots, some Sabu style throwing of the chairs had went on. Justice was our first, uh, per- first person busted open. I think it was around the one or two minute mark. The third minute light tubes started coming out by a minute four. Briscoe and Mance were busted open hard. Mance was really busted open bad. If anybody has a chance to look at it, he was, he was 10 minutes in bleeding at minute three the ref basically was spending his whole time cleaning up the ring if anybody had a chance to look at it especially there wasn't really much to do for the referee in the beginning anyway we were waiting for all five teams to get in because there needed to be eliminations before we had a champion so half the time the referee is just taking shit out of the ring pushing things aside throwing out chunks of glass uh but bussy then is out next and comes out doing a bunch of tag team moves, splashes. They do the, it's like the Royal Rumble hot that you get. The first 30 seconds of your Royal Rumble entrance into the ring are yours. That's your show, showcase. So Bussy had that showcase. Yeah, I loved, um, as you were saying, to give you a little break here, because I know we got a lot more to go. We still got three, two more Thanks, teams man. to enter. <laughs> um, I loved how they added that part of the rule where, hey, like, Teams could be eliminated. Like it wasn't like first fall wins. It was elimination style. So I knew that would kind of drag the match longer, which is okay by me because more violence Mm -hmm. and shit. But going back to the Briscoes, as you said, like I was kind of shocked they came out first or like were part of the first two teams out there because I thought maybe they would kind of lay back in the back because I've I've never really seen them do light tubes. I've seen them do doors, chairs, whatever you want to do that's not light tubes. Even barbed wire. I've seen Mark Briscoe go through barbed wire. If I remember correctly, but I was kind of interested when they came out first. I thought maybe they would want to kind of stay in the back, let kind of all the light tubes and stuff happen before they got out there. And then when they got out there, do their style that they're more comfortable with, with the 
craziness that was all around this ring. But them coming out first, that showed me like, hey, I'm we're going to be in this for about good 20, 25 minutes. And as the GCW champions, it was awesome seeing our GCW champions in the ring for that long, representing our company, especially it being the Briscoes, because I haven't seen the ultraviolet side of them, but I kind of liked how they dove into it. Um, if you want to hear more about some of that stuff, once again, go check out the GCW Patreon, House uh, World of Deathmatch with Alex Clunk. He kind of talks about the Briscoes and their kind of history with these kind of matches and stuff. So that was cool and interesting to hear because even though I kind of thought about it, I wasn't sure. But hearing Alex Clunk talk about it made it very interesting. And yeah, Effie and Bussy definitely came out to uh, wreck shit out with or wreck shit up when they first came out. And then here we go with. Good old Los Macisos. Yay. And they got a huge response from the uh, from the crowd. I think it was really equal to the Briscoes, and, and that's a great sign. I really want to see those two down the road have a little tussle because Ooh. I think both of them are just tough as fuck. They both have great looks. I really MGI. like both of them. I'm telling you, dude, that would be fantastic. That's Violence what... has arrived is what I literally put on this. Yeah, and as you said, them two going at it, I just think about the Howl days when they were in like the Nick Gage Invitational, like two, I think it was, or one or two or three. They, uh-huh. those two just destroyed the shit out of each other. Like, I'm telling you, it was like, I, you're my brother. I'm going to hit you with a brick and then we'll, I'll buy you a beer afterwards. But those two did not hold back. And as you said, I, as you want to see those two go at it, I want to see it again in the year 2022. Okay. So check out these next three bullet points and listen how this really runs down. <laughs> Ciclope swinging light tubes on everyone he sees. It doesn't matter who it was, he was fucking swinging. Justice is hammering people with weapons. Tubes are being fucking thrown. Allie gets bent back first over a chair. There. That was three. I mean, come on. But uh, yeah, them boys were strong. They were handing out a lot of damage. Mark kicks a door and it falls on him and he kind of sells it. It was it was comical. Basically, yeah, so he went and kicked a door. He was trying to just get it away from him. And the door kind of went almost flat against the corner. So it started to fall on him. And I think he looked away for just a second. But the door fucking hit him and he he acted like, oh, shit, that hurt. And he actually fell to the ground. And the door fell on him. So it was a nice little spot. I was starting to see stripes of red on Effie's back. Now, I don't know if those were from actual impacts or if that was from blood, but I was starting to see that light tubes are fucking everywhere. And now we finally get our fifth team and the actual match can now begin. So we're roughly about 15 minutes in and finally the mega bastards show up. We've got John Wayne Murdoch and Alex Cologne. They come out carrying bundles of light tubes. They came out in like matching purple fucking colors. I loved it. It looked good. I'm looking at the ring the minute they get in and my notes literally say elbows and weapons everywhere. I, it looked like just a full on fight and you yep. could literally see elbows coming up overhead sometimes. It was just fantastic. Um, Justice goes up on that scaffold that was on the uh, side of the ring there and i was looking at that damn thing the whole time and i'm going okay he's gonna go up this is justice he's he's got balls he can do that and then this son of a bitch doesn't just go up on the scaffold but he gets on the railing i mean you're talking about as ballsy as it gets so we're talking probably 30 feet in the air would be from where you're standing on the scaffold he went up another three feet from there it, it, i mean it was so freaking gutsy he couldn't get any higher that that was the highest you were going to get in the match that night so there was a point where effie was being attended to he got his arm on his right side fucked up. And anybody who watches the big gay brunch the next day saw that he was still way fucked up and bandaged 
during the match if you have a chance to look at it. Um, so up go Justice and Murdoch. I, I was kind of surprised to see Murdoch up that high because I know Murdoch isn't a big fan of heights. So Justice is then eventually thrown off the scaffold onto the table below by Murdoch. SGC then is eliminated by Cologne doing a camel clutch. Blood at this point is everywhere. Both mats are just spotted. A lot of the, um, you'll see tables and chunks of things. There's fucking drips all over them. This place was fucking spotted, dude. And that goes to everything against everything I said at the beginning of the night when I first saw the two rings. Well, I said that GCW ring, they're not going to touch that one with all that blood. It's going to stay on the other side. <laughs> and right away, too, like, yeah. yeah, when I saw the where all the light tubes were tied up on, I was like, that had to be a mistake. Like, why would you mess up your nice ring? I know they probably got it for that event and stuff like that, but I'm like, you just got that ring and you're going to get all the blood and stuff on that ring. But mm -hmm. they had obviously, to it. That, yeah, obviously there's going to be blood anywhere in this match. But I just, I just remember, like I said, at the beginning of the night, oh, that match, that mat is not going to be used too much. It'll be used at the end to kind of maybe get a pinfall. But no, like it seemed like all the action was in that ring specifically the entire time yeah. because I, I, I don't know. I just, and when it gets my thinking, I was like, oh, well, I guess I'll just eat my words here. And this mat is gone bye bye. And all the destruction to it is awesome to watch. And I said that Alley Catch, I remember when I predicted this match, Alley Catch would be the one that would get the majority of the ass whooping. I think the ass whooping was mm -hmm. uh, very evenly distributed <laughs> throughout the night, while kind of Justice maybe got the more, most uh, damage. But I think that was kind of a. Uh, self-inflicted on his part which most of his damage is self-inflicted because he likes to go up to the high high uh spots but as you said he got up onto that high like high part yeah of it, and yeah that was kind of crazy to me because i'm like dude you're not like you're not falling in the ring if you slip off like scaffold was out of the ring for those of the for mm -hmm. those of you that did not watch it or see it like the scaffold's actually outside of the cage but it stands up higher than the cage so that way justice could fly into it but like if he would have fell on to the side, like that's right to the ground yep. status. Like there yep. ain't no ropes or mat you're landing on. You're going right to the concrete from about 30 feet up in the air. And it was built good. It was built sturdy. It was built stable, but it was built as stable as it can be being what it is 30 plus feet in the air. And you're not supposed to but, jump uh, off the guardrail on it. You're supposed to jump off the actual platform, but just he's just a crazy, crazy motherfucker, <laughs> dude. I love it. Um, Allie ends up on the outside of the scaffold with Murdoch and Cologne, and they kind of surround her, one on each side. So if you're kind of looking at it, look at a ladder and then put a ladder on each side of Ellie and have basically Murdoch on one and Cologne on the other. And they basically grab a hold of her and all three go back first through two barbed wire doors. It looked fantastic and it fucked Allie up yep. bad. I'm looking at the ring and the ring's covered in complete debris. This was the first time that in my head, when I saw everything, I go, it looks like a war. And I'm like, holy shit, it actually fits this match. The place looked like a fucking bomb went off and everything in that place blew apart and then laid on the ground is exactly what this looks like. I would have loved to see it after picture of like the mat you know like some fans like i sometimes when i'm sitting in the front row like after a crazy match like that i'll take a picture of the mat just to see yep. all the craziness so like i remember my first ucw show i showed all the light tubes to my wife i'm like yeah this is how the match started off it was aj gray and nick cage and then i showed it at the end this is the craziness at the end of what was left in the ring and it's just cool to see yep. that i wish i would have seen something like that i'm pretty sure like mouse or sam or one of those photographers have to have like pretty good footage or at least a good picture of 
what happened in the ring. I just got to go search them out and look for that. Because as you said, I would love to see that kind of destruction in the in one spot for the night. Yeah, and by the time we're getting at this point in the match, I can't express enough how much blood loss has happened. It is a large amount, even for GCW. Yep. I mean, it, it's everywhere. There wasn't a single person who wasn't dropping it. You see red all over the place. I just, I'm going back to my point, but yeah, I mean, just faces, sides, arms, just blood all over the place. Again, you've got Cologne losing fucking heavy blood out of his head. You can see he's hurting because admittedly by his own words, he was literally slowing down by the end of the match. And you can see this. Yep. So eventually, eventually after being attended, Effie gets back up. He kind of starts walking around fighting for a little bit. He's starting to get back on his feet, but then Effie gets put through a table with a bundle of light tubes. So Effie gets pinned by that point and then boom, Bussy's eliminated. So now we're down to three at this point. And the first little, uh, little standoff we have here would be the Macisos versus the Briscoes. It goes back and forth for a while, but eventually the Macisos pin the Briscoes. Briscoes eliminated. The crowd is booing fucking heavy we're getting bullshit chants like crazy we will have a new champion crown tonight so that's really good news that was fun. this leaves our last two dude yeah that's fun i love that part like when they kind of do that in these matches like i think mm -hmm. one year they did it in a chamber like wwe where they had like the champion that was out first and then lost and it's like okay this match still has got another 20 minutes to go but you are mm -hmm. guaranteed to see the champion and I think that just like brings the momentum of the match up and your energy is like, oh, my God, who's going to be the new champion? Who's going to get it? And then you start guessing. I think that just brings so much into this match, which was when I saw that, too. I was like, OK, like I kind of thought they would lose, but I didn't know. I honestly had no idea who's going to win this match because all five teams are amazing. And I could absolutely see and would love to see them as a GCW tag team again or new champs in John Wayne and Alex Cologne to see them kind of hey, like. You guys settled your differences. Can you be a tag team champions and still work together? So that was interesting to me. It's like, okay, we're going to get new champions. Who's it going to be? Yeah. And at this point, we're about three quarters of the way through the match. So we have Macisos and the Bastards facing off. We have them with light tubes just breaking over each other. I mean, light tubes, light tubes. Miedo did a 450 splash onto tubes onto Murdoch. Um, Ciclope goes up on the scaffold with light tubes. He falls off of the scaffold with the tubes onto Cologne. These guys at this point in the match have done absolutely so much is what I'd put in my notes. Both teams really do deserve a series of matches with each other. Let me see those uh, Los Macisos and the Bastards. I know you were talking earlier about how brutal it would be. I'm not I'm not against checking it out. I really would like to see. I think they gel together after watching this. And then here come minute 28. Yeah, we're almost 30 minutes in. Here comes a pane of glass out. So Miedo ends up doing this. This all happens in a span of maybe five to 10 seconds. But Miedo then goes up on top of the scaffold. Murdoch goes up. Both go up top. Murdoch pushes Miedo off the scaffold and onto a table that was suspended by chairs. Then Cologne suplexes Ciclope through a pane of glass. That is how we got our winner at 31 minutes. Our brand new champs, John Wayne Murdoch and Alex Cologne with a Murdoch pin on Ciclope. This that was a fucking I was exhausted, bro. I, I literally put in my notes. I'm exhausted. That was a lot on my senses. Yeah, that was one of those ones that just nonstop was action, action, action. Like last year's. It had a lot of action, a lot of blood, and a lot of high spots. I think how they got to those high spots on this one 
compared to last year's was so much faster because last year they seemed to drag it out and set everything up and it kind of took the timing and pacing of the match away where in this one it was just right away non-stop go 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 and uh i said alley catch would take the beating justice crazy not to take off one falling off the scaffold once but twice um CNC Clope and Medio, like how they use the double ring, the cage to their advantage. Uh, Ciclope, or not Ciclope, Medio did an awesome like double rope jump. He jumped from one ring's rope to another to do a, a launch into like a, I think it was just a drop kick, but it was so cool seeing. Like you see in this death match, you're seeing these guys go flying like luchadors on their ropes and stuff. Like that's the shit that makes me love Los Macisos. I think this match made fans maybe. Got Macisos a lot more new fans because as you said, they killed it. The crowd was behind them. Everybody killed it. Like everybody put their life on the lines. It was it was nuts. Yeah. It was a crazy scene. Um, I, I forgot to mention too, I love the part when Alex Cologne and John Wayne Murdoch they come out and the purple, they're like, wait a minute, we forgot something. They head back to yeah. back and come <laughs> out. Okay, we got our pre-rolls. We're good now. There's about to be some violence to this match. And yeah, right then I was like, okay, that's the last team. They're bringing out these pre-rolls. Like, this is going to get crazy and this this was like it was so fun i immediately they the the stream ended i went right back 30 minutes went back and watched the whole thing over again immediately just to catch all those things i didn't catch because there was a lot and as you said they didn't really do the split camera for this one either because they were all still in the ring but i would yeah, like to see yeah. them kind of maybe focus more of like when alley cats is beating up with one of the briscoes in the corner like i wonder what's going on with the other six seven competitors in the other ring like what's happening there like i wish i would have been more of that stuff but i think this match was just incredible like it went above and beyond my expectations because i thought last year's was going to be tough because of everything i think this their speed of just constantly go 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 in this match helped it while it might have hurt it too if you go back and listen to the World of Deathmatch on Patreon. I hate to pl plug it, but they if you want a lot of, not a lot, but some very informative. to plug it. Love to plug it. Uh, yes. There's a lot I'm of cool stuff much. we get on there to talk about too, man. Yeah, I just, I don't hate saying it three times in the same segment, but it's, oh, it's, definitely, worth it. it's definitely worth it because I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> we pay for it. We get it. We understand how awesome it is. I just want the fans to, like that maybe don't have the Patreon, like go check it out. Like Alex Clone yes. does a not too crazy dive into this match about some of the behind the scenes stuff and some of the craziness, but he will say some stuff to you where if you're kind of understanding, like not understanding fully what we're saying and explaining it, he does it a way better job and explains it more professionally, obviously, because he's a freaking professional mm -hmm. here. And um, one last spot I just wanted to talk about too, that kind of scared the shit out of me was Ciclope jumping off of that uh, scaffold with the light tube. He had like three light yes. tubes in his hand and did a body splash on it. I forgot who was on the bottom, but one of those tubes was at an angle when he landed. And I was just like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like even uh -huh. as, as he's falling, you see the like he, he was holding three light tubes, if I'm not mistaken, underneath his arms when he went to jump on to him. So he had the light tubes on his chest, kind of right by the damn neck area. Like that shit mm -hmm. scares the shit out of me coming from that high up to just even more like what are we doing but that just shows you how crazy those macisos are ciclope miedo are just crazy risk takers and when he jumped and landed on it that on the way down i just see that one tube kind of slip out of his hand and just turn to an angle and i'm like please god don't let anything bad happen because if he lands at an angle with that light tube it's just it could be bad for everyone involved and like that's 
the moments of GCW where you're like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. And then you're like, oh shit, like he hit it. Everything's fine. And then now I get to pop because I know everybody's fine. Everybody's safe. But you have that like two seconds where like, did everything turn out okay? Was it fine? Yes, it is. I can now cheer balls to the walls knowing that everybody's fine because that spot was one of the crazier ones to me. Even though Justice did his two crazy dives, that with the light tubes made me like, kind of like, like I said, I had my oh shit, oh shit, oh shit moment. Yeah. Yeah, this this was um on the on the talent it was damn near downright abusive. It was <laughs> it was that crazy. There um there was a lot more planned to this match according to Cologne. I yeah. guess there was there was some more there was a couple things that went wrong or went differently and that's normal. So, you know, that's normal yeah, in life. I can I can go to the bathroom right now and fuck up something in there on accident. Um, <laughs> uh, rarely have I seen such an amazing mess of weapons after this match at one time. Just there was so much shit everywhere. Um, mad respect to all the teams involved. I really don't have enough words to be like written to describe how much this match had and how much was in it and how dangerous it was and how special it was how unexpectedly wonderful this thing was and to find out there was even more to it yeah you know wow but yeah cologne has a towel on his head at the end of this thing he is majorly injured you could see that he's got some shit just going wrong on the right side of his head and face there but later that night he is taken by ambulance like i said before he gets to an emergency room he's Lucky to get some help there after some struggle. But if you are a member, yeah, go over there and listen to what he's doing. On we're like Patreon, right. you know, and and we don't Chilling actually get money from anyone, <laughs> you know. We just yeah. So um yeah, but his, his cologne story over there is so interesting that if you're a fan deep enough to be listening to our podcast, you're deep enough to probably check out Patreon. So chances are you probably already heard this, but yeah, there was so much on the line just. The only way I would really end it is just like if I died tomorrow, the words would be mad respect, mad respect for these guys. Yeah, I felt after watching this, I felt like I just went through a TOS or NGI of how much carnage and wreckage and blood I saw because that, that was a crazy like everybody right away bleeding the entire match. And yeah, it was just crazy seeing all the light tubes flying around Briscoe's swinging that thing like a baseball bat. Most of CISOs too, like. Or not Los Mercedes, sorry, Matthew Justice, when he was at the light tube is in hand. Like, I just thought of, like, okay, batter up. He's just going to swing for the fences. This, like I said, this blew my mind of how much better it was than last year's. Because I think I said, even on the podcast, it's got to, it's going to have some big shoes to fill. And I think I just felt like that because of the entire storyline that built to this match and how, or built to that match last year and kind of how it ended was kind of how it kind of started with the same way of, certain wrestler getting tossed off a scaffold from that height um against nick gage at a spring break i believe it was so for them to end kind of that rivalry the same way as it started to me was just awesome to see last year but this year cannot top that in the ring action like that's going to be tough to top for a tournament oh, style. Yeah. like that that's insane and I, that's another question i would like to maybe ask like these the wrestlers that do like the deathmatch tournaments like I could probably assume the answer is going to be the deathmatch tournament because you got to go through like one, two, or three matches of this stuff. But you can kind of spread out the violence and how much damage you take in each match. But then you got to sit there with the bruises, the cuts, the injuries that maybe happened in the match prior. Now you got to sit into it, the adrenaline worn off, and then now somehow you got to get the adrenaline back up to get rid of all that pain for match two or match three. Where this one, I think, is just like, as you said, FB and Alley Catch just nonstop, just 
aching bumps and bruises. Like, I honestly wonder, I, oh, well, I think I know the answer. I would like to hear them from their mouths. Like, what's the difference between the pain, how to deal with the pain from this match, this kind of match, to dealing with a two, three match tournament? So that's what I was just thinking too, because like I, this was brutal. Like they take some time off. All all ten of you take a week, take two weeks, take some time off because that the time off is well deserved. It was fucking amazing. That match killed it. Like I said, so good. I rebound it immediately, and it was just as good the second time. And that will lead us into our memorable <laughs> moments of the evening. Uh, once again, do you want to go over your memorable moments? Because I have a little bit more than normal this time, but not too much. Okay. First things first, the fantastic camera work. The shot, uh, the shots provided really made the production look so much better. So when we have the possibility to do this, please keep doing it. It looks so good. I will be 100% respecting the double ring from here onward. Memories have been made. You know, that, like, memories were made. No yeah. shit. There was a lot of substance in this show. Lots of wrestling, considering that this was more of a deathmatch-style show. All the matches except for Cardona's really did have time to breathe and there was no dead time. I can't find dead time in this thing. Everything about that opening match, PBR, the opening chug, thought was kind of fun. It's a little memorable because it was a different opening. Heel Shelley, heel Alex Shelley was something that um, I was enjoying. It's, it's different for Alex. He's such a nice, humble gentleman. So it is so different to see that the Wayne Oliver team slowly coming together and also being shown how far they have to go, I think was an excellent teaching point for them. The Chelsea flesh, no shit is a highlight. I don't care what anyone says that went all over the internet. That got us attention. Good for him that uh, I'm sorry. Good for her for the situation there. But uh, the Sawyer Charlie match put on a great, great women's belt. That made me really appreciate what our women are capable of. The announcement of the Nick Gage tournament, the Nick Gage, the NGI seven. I'm really looking forward to that. Now that that was announced. This was all about the Art of War match, and wow, the excellent card was just fantastic. Thank you for everyone who put their asses on the line for that night, and I'm super thankful for such an amazing one-two punch for a day of wrestling between the settlement and then this. It was just a great a great way to end my night. Yeah, that my number one memorable moment, like every talent involved throughout the entire night, like not just the 10 compares, like even though those 10 probably killed their bodies more than the rest of the card but that those 10 absolutely standing ovation round of applause from over here that's yes. like i said that was incredible to watch and that every single person took a beating and was bleeding really bad like it was it was shocking to kind of see how long and how early everybody got busted open i thought maybe they kind of drag it out, wait for a couple more teams to join before all the blood gets out. Yeah, I don't know what I'm thinking. SGC's in the match. Like, no, we come out, we drink, we bleed, we party, we get out of here. Um, but I, every single talent on this show, kudos, because it was fantastic. Everybody put it all out in the line. Everybody stepped up their game. This was a fantastic card from the first match of the night to the ending of the night. And I just wanted to give my appreciation out to all the talent out there because that that was insane to me. That was kind of like eye opening of wow. Like I I felt like old school. Like when I first started watching GCW, watching the old stuff, I'm like, this is what made me fall in love with it because we got the different matches, the different comedy with Matt Cardona. We got the nice classical tag team match with Jordan Oliver and Aussie Open. As you said, like I thought, 
I knew kind of they were going to lose unless they would pull out a shock of the year for me, which if they would have won, I would have freaking popped like no other because I didn't think there was any chance that they were, they were going to win, especially with Aussie Open being the bigger name and stuff like that. But it was a very good platform for Jordan and Nick Wayne to kind of step up their game, and they did. And I think it also kind of opened up their eyes of, hey, maybe there are some things we need to kind of tighten up here to take that next step to the next level. So I can't wait to see um, them continue to grow. And that PBR death, uh, PBR death, PBR uh, scramble match was, yeah. was fine. Shane Mercer, get to see him tossing everyone around. Drago Kid hitting that crazy Mexican destroyer. Um, Joey just trying to drop from 20 feet. A needle right into a needle hole and hitting Tony Deppin with that elbow drop in between the two rings was crazy to see. Um, this, a, this was a fun night. Like I could memorable moment for every match I could probably give you two. And it's, this was incredible. Like heel seeing a heel, Alex Shelley, seeing Blake Christian getting rid of all, whatever he had, which is good. Let's continue forward and maybe add on to your character. Um, Sawyer wreck and Charlie Evans starting the crazy, violence off was it was it was a fun night very 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 fun night so do you think we should do some upcoming shows again yes we had a couple one we could remind the listener just in case maybe yes. skips an episode since we're putting out so much content this week maybe they can't listen to all four episodes yes. we are putting out but just in case they might have forgotten or did not listen yes give them the upcoming show Okay, so one thing I wanted to mention that I didn't put on the earlier shows that I added to this one was that we don't have just one show on Saturday. We actually have two shows on Saturday. So the first show on Saturday is going to be GCW Settlement Series Part 3. This is going to be at the Boonton Elks Lodge in Boonton, New Jersey. Both this show and the next show, the JCW Uncensored Show, is going to be there also. This is Saturday, September 10th, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. So far, there are no announced participants or what the show's theme may be as of yet when I wrote this, but it's going to be entertaining and it'll be definitely worth checking out. Front row tickets are still available at $25 and general admission are $21. Our second show will be JCW Uncensored. Again, Boontown Lodge, uh, Elks Lodge, I'm sorry, at Boonton, New Jersey, Saturday, September 10th. This one will start at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. There is a barbed wire match in this announced. This is Mance Warner versus Slade. We have a match with Masha Slamovich versus Jungle Kiona. We have a GCW Extreme Title Extreme Rules match. Cole Radrick versus Alec Price. That's going to be fun. Beastman versus Janela. A bull rope match, one called Manders versus Charles Mason. The Lucha Extrema match, Los Macisos versus Wasted Youth. Hey. What are you thinking about that one, dude? Anytime yeah. I can see Los Macisos, especially yeah. on free YouTube, I'm in. Yeah. The last woman standing match, Janai Kai versus Sawyer Wreck, will be really interesting. I'd like to know how that story is going to be written. And then a martial arts match, Mike Bailey versus Yoya. So that's what's announced so far on that. Front row is still available at $39, second row at $29, general admission at $21. So if you have a chance, get out there. Again, that's Saturday, September 10th at 7 p.m. at the Boonton Elks Lodge. And then going with the last one that I'm going to mention, this is one of our outside non-GCW shows that have a lot of GCW talent on it. It's going to be the Grap House first anniversary show. This is at Ferguson's downtown in Las Vegas, Nevada. Friday, September 9th, 
where we have a 6 p.m. door opening. This is one day before the two GCW shows. But if you're a fan of Starboy Charlie, Dark Sheik, Hunter Freeman, Sandra Moon, Cole Radrick, or Jordan Oliver, you're going to be able to see them over at this Grab House show, again, down at Ferguson's downtown. So if you're a GCW fan in the Las Vegas area, or if you're in the Southwest and you can get over here, VIP is $25 with a half uh, hour early entrance or general admission is $20. This is really a great fee to pay for some of these GCW stars. And you're going to see a lot of Southwest and local talents at this show also. And quite a few of these guys are absolutely fantastic. So if you get a chance, yeah, check out your local talent there at this show or check out the GCW Settlement Series Part 2 or JCW Uncensored. This is going to be a fantastic weekend coming up. Mine's starting on Friday. Most people are going to be starting on Saturday. Dude, this is this is going to be fun this weekend. Yes. Anything I'll... else you have to say, my friend? Yep, I'll be right there with you Friday at the Graph yes. Show. Being uh, Jordan Oliver going against G-Sharp. Seeing Cole Radrick. Uh... Radrick's going against uh, Nick Xander. That's the other one I want to see. Mm -hmm. Nick Xander, local, awesome talent. I can't wait to see him kind of step up his game to another level again and uh, see the heartbeat versus Ratty Daddy. That's the other match I'm looking forward to the most. Um, Also, another place where you can catch out the GCW events if you are kind of having trouble searching for it on social media. Please check out GCWPlantPodcast.com. Uh, on the left where it has like the, those little bullets, click it. You'll see events, click the events. It'll have all the upcoming GCW events right there for you. So if it's coming to your area and you want tickets, it's right there for you to buy. Just click the link. It'll send you to the Eventbrite or wherever they're selling their tickets to for that event. Um, if you're on mobile, same thing. Just click it. And then underneath you'll see event details. Just click that. That'll give you the link to go get your tickets. But it's a nice one little one-stop shop to find out, uh, when upcoming GCW shows are coming to a town near you. Um, fun show, man. Fun, fun mm-hmm. show. And it's going to be very fun covering our next show. Uh, tomorrow, we are covering GCW's Effie's Big Gay Brunch number... Add it up here. Four number or five? Five. five. Yep, five. Um, okay. That is going to be a fun show. Like I said, I... Uh, it's a totally different show, but very, very entertaining. Lots of good in-ring action. Um, I loved it. I the I haven't seen all of it. I saw it for the first half, and we watched watch the second half tonight. But from the pieces I saw, I, I I was enjoying it so far. Like it's totally different from this one, which is good. We need a kind of a cleanse my palate. I could do with the violence for a couple days now after seeing that match. But uh, yes, definitely check out some of the talent and check out the Effie's Big Gay Brunch. We were reviewing it tomorrow. Um, once again, uh, I'll as well, since we're here, say out another, uh, goal we reached, we hit our 500 listeners, um, yes, this, this morning. So we just broke. Thank the, you. Yes. Thank you all. We just broke the 400 late Friday nights as the GCW black label pro show just started and going from 400 to 500 between now and then is awesome. Amazing. Thank you all for listening. Hope you're all enjoying it. For those of you that have been leaving feedback to us, thank you very much. It has yes. been very nice to see positive and negative or things we need to improve on. It's very always nice to see uh, that people are out there actually listening and enjoying it by the numbers. It seems like they're enjoying it by the feedback we've gotten from fans slash wrestlers that we cover wrestlers been, fans. Yeah, it's been, it's been fun. So thank you all very much for the helping me meet our next short term goal. And I think now I'm done with the short term goals. I'm going to bump it up here for a bigger term 
And uh, maybe we'll see you all here on Twitter when I reach the th- or when we reach the thousand uh, thousand viewer mark, yeah. and then yeah. uh, or thousand listener mark, and uh, we send out that tweet. That's a uh, that's going to be a fun one. So thank you all for making us halfway there to our next goal of a thousand. It's been fun. Hope you're all enjoying it. It's been fun for us recording it, at least on my end. I don't know about you dealing with me blabbing all oh, the time. Oh, it's it's such a struggle to talk about wrestling. Yeah, I know. It's tough. Such a struggle. But <laughs> it has been fun. So once again, y'all, thank you so much. It just seems like every time we record, a new thing happens that we just want to share our love and let you guys know we do hear you. We do see it, appreciate it. And thank you thank very you. much for everything. Is there any last things you want to say before we send them off here? No, actually, I would say one thing that I have not heard a single bad word or anything yet when it comes to like any type of feedback and stuff, fortunately, like they know we are so new and fucked up that the (laughs) only thing they could tell us is good things. No, honestly, everything has been absolutely supportive and wonderful. We've gotten some great messages from talent. We've gotten some great messages from some GCW people. We've gotten a lot of love from people who are appreciative and listen to it. And honestly, I just, as much as I can, I just love to say verbally, I'd love to give as much as I can um, and love back to everyone else. I'm so 100% thankful. Yes, and please keep on spreading the word out. Just in GC- doesn't even have to be our podcast. If you feel entitled to, go ahead. But just keep spreading the GCW love because, like I said, there's a lot of wrestling fans out there that might not have watched wrestling in the last 10, 15 years. And I can almost promise you, you show them a GCW card, you t- especially if you take them to the show, there's a whole different vibe and feeling where they will want to come back to it. And yep. it will keep on helping GCW grow. And just keep spreading that word because that's what we just. The more people, the more listeners, the more money, the more entertaining that the wrestlers are going to try to be for us. Obviously, when there's 50 fans or 500 fans, what they're going to do in the ring will probably be uh, adjusted accordingly to the fans. So we just want to keep getting more fans out there to the shows, watching on Fight TV, listening on Patreon, getting all that cool merch that they drop on GCW Mercis. I'm just dropping all this shit. Let's just drop it all on them. Let's drop it all on their heads. But a lot of cool stuff out there with GCW. Please go out and search it. Um, Get your friends into it because it's been fun. Enjoying GCW with the new fans and kind of explaining some of the stuff that they might not have known with the history that maybe they listened through our podcast or through another person's podcast. Like, it's been fun. So thank you all out there. And you can find me at John J. Wolf on Twitter. And that's where I'd be. And I am still on the GCW Plant Podcast. I know I was wet for the first couple episodes under a different name. Uh, we're in the middle of a change in that still. It's been a <laughs> bit of process. You got arrested. Yeah. No, you didn't get arrested. Yeah, I'm trying to get my name off of get that name, name that I used to have. So now I got to come up with another name. So uh, That's half the fun, bro. Yes, there'll be change in here on my social medias and on our introductions and stuff like that. So if you hear me, it's kind of awkwardly transition right to John every time and I don't introduce myself. That's mm-hmm. the reason why, but it's not a real big reason. I just want to come up with another name that uh, will be more appealing to outside fans. Big sexy. Like that. <laughs> so, sorry, Kevin Nash. I'm stealing it. Yeah, big sexy. At least we have somebody on retired name. Big <laughs> sex. Do it, dude. Be big sexy. I'll, I'll do it here on Twitter. But on behalf of myself and uh-huh. Mr. John J. Wolf, we uh, will send you off here like uh, we always do. Please enjoy this podcast and please keep your eye out. Hopefully tomorrow we keep this one and we're all caught up with the Effie's Big Gay Brunch tomorrow. We will be recording it and probably be releasing it Friday at some point throughout the early morning or afternoon, depending on where you live. 
But on behalf of myself and Mr. John J. Wolf, you guys all have yourselves a good night. And as always, long, long live, live G C fucking uh -huh. W. W. Bitch. <laughs>